Welcome to the Guys From Podcast, just two guys answering the internet's questions. I'm Sean Cordingly. And I'm David R. Smith. Today we're doing a top ten for our pal Tony. Uh, we're doing our top ten movies from 2000 to 2004. Woo! Uh, we promise we are getting to 1940s. Yes, but Dave I, needs more time. I do need more time. I still, I'm working on it. I've got some. And you just discovered Westworld. Yeah, so, so that's taking up a lot of my time. Like, that's gotta happen first. Also, stay tuned for my plug, because it's probably gonna be Westworld. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So, it's been a while since we've done a top ten. Last top ten we did was movie quotes, mm-hmm. but the last time we did a top ten actual movies list has been Quite months. some time. Yeah. So, we felt like it was a good time to do it. Yep. Plus, we only really got more questions about Donald Trump. Please stop asking us questions about Trump. If you keep doing it, we have to answer them. And I understand that it's heavy in the news right now, but we are not a politics podcast. Dave does not want to have to read politics. And I, I mean, it's hard not to follow that stuff on social media. I, as of our recording this today, he announced that he's going to start building the wall as soon as possible and that this is a thing that's happening. And Mexico's going to pay for it, sure. So that, I, I have heard it and you can't not see that. It's just... That's not what we really do here. We want to talk about movies and music and video games, video games and, and random and stuff. This not. this is not a news thing, per se. But we appreciate that you guys really want to know, and if you keep inundating us, maybe we just will. If and... that's all we get, then sure. <laughs> all of a sudden, all of our listeners are like, well, challenge accepted, <laughs> and Sean just gets 200 DMs with politics <laughs> yes, requests. Uh <sighs> Dave doesn't want that. No. That'll you, be that'll be one of Sean's solo podcasts. Or put it into the DMs if you really <laughs> want this, but you're specifically thinking about it again because I did write the election stuff. If that's why you want this, if you want me to write about it, okay, I'll sure. do that. It yeah. might it'll be easier and this is supposed to be a podcast where you just kick back and listen to us talk about nothing. Exactly. That's the whole point. We're the Seinfeld of podcasts. Exactly. Versus that which would just enrage people. Yeah. I think. Not into that. No. Anyway, thank you for your your questions. We get them. Yeah. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And I know we have more American listeners. We always have. Yeah. So we know that this is big and forefront in your news and in Mindshare right now. It's just use us as an escape. Yeah, there you go. Don't try and drag us into it. We're two (laughs) Western Canadian guys. We're not thinking about politics. Not till 2019. Exactly. Although we have a mayoral election, but that has anyone declared to go against Dinesh? Dinesh? I, I don't, don't think, think so. so. Not yet. We'll see. We'll see. Uh-huh. Dave should run. <laughs> Vote Dave. Because we all know how good I am for a politician. Oh, yeah. uh, what's your stance on this? I don't know. <laughs> Sean? Oh. <laughs> Just in the back. You don't like it. I don't like it. Next question. <laughs> Vote Dave. Yeah. <laughs> a vote for Dave is a vote for anarchy. Oh, no. Or a vote for Dave is a vote for anarchy. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Movies. Uh, we like movies. We do. And so we're going to do our top ten plus two. Like usual. As we usually do. So, Dave and I had a knife fight in the parking lot, and I lost. So that means I have to go first. One-eyed Sean has to go first. Dang it. So, my first honorable mention is... I shouldn't have written these down, stupid one eye. (laughs) Amelie. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't watch it as much as I used to. Right. But I always really liked Amelie. 
Okay. Audrey Tattoo is awesome in it. It's weird. It's quirky. It's a little surreal. That's cool. 2001. Great. Yeah. Uh, my first honorable mention is Death to Smoochie. Oh, yeah. We quoted it all the time in university. We so did. It's it's Robin Williams and Edward Norton in a very strange movie about I have no idea how it got made. I have no idea how Death to Smoochie got made. Seriously. It's one of those movies that kind of flew under the radar and all of a sudden you're like, what? Yeah. How just, is this a thing that exists? Rainbow Randolph. Yeah. But I mean, Edward Norton's great and yeah. Robin Williams is just so good in it. And dark. And dark. It is... There's a lot of mobsters in it, which yeah. apparently is heavily into children's programming. According to that world, it is. <laughs> what was his name? I know it was Spinner, but what was his... I can't remember. Yeah. He was always such... You were always so good to my boy. <laughs> no, don't don't sell yourself. We've got this. <laughs> so the mob kills some people for Smoochie. Uh, oh just... my god. Yeah. Danny DeVito directed that. Yes, he did. Oh my god, John Stewart, Danny Woodburn, Michael Ripsoli, Spinner Dunn. That's all he's. Was his name actually Spinner? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, on that guy, Vincent Schiavelli, who plays like the ghost on the train and Ghost. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. You know that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he died in two thousand five. Oh, that's, that's sad. sad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving right along, I guess from that, Death to Smoochie. We're really good Spinner. at finding those segues, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we are. Spinner's just so awesome. He really is. Uh, yeah. I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I, I feel like I should track that down. Did your other honorable mention stay the same? It did. Awesome. Mine is also The Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. Uh, the Jim Caviezel, Guy Pierce version. They are the main actors in it. Yeah, Richard Harris yes. plays the... Yep. the yep. man in Chateau d'If. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's just... It's fun. It's a good adventure. It's loosely based on the book. It's, it takes some liberties with the story. Sure. To make it more happy. Yeah. And less horrifyingly depressing as the book is. Yeah. But, uh. But it's kind of what we needed in 2002. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just a really, like, Jim Caviezel is charming and Guy Pierce is just perfect as the... Ruthless kind of jerk. Yeah. Yep. And, I mean, you used it as, like, the the Kings to You, We you use that in a, in a, in a well, I mean, we've talked in about it. In play, and we use it for Bad Movie Nights. For Bad Movie I've Nights. Like, King, it's just, it's been. King of the Moment for yeah, a lot of things. It's yeah. been referenced many times, and there's just something, it was one of those ones that kind of flew under the radar for me as well. Um, yeah. Just in the sense that I knew about the book, but didn't know a lot and I saw that and I was like oh that's pretty fun then I read the book and was like oh yeah yeah cool yeah okay Luis oh uh, Guzman Guzman yeah, yeah. Luis Guzman as Jacopo mm-hmm. he's a great Jacopo yeah he really is there's so many weird one-liners this was kind of the time because this was pre-passion so nobody really knew who Jim Caviezel was. Totally. But he's really good in this, and he's that, if you watch Jim Caviezel stuff now, he is doing those kind of dry, one-liner, sardonic sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and oh, James Rain, who is Villefort, uh, he was also in, I believe he was in one of the, like he was in Disney's Three Musketeers, oh, also yeah. as a villain. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Luis Guzman is Jacopo and and a bunch of other people I don't really know. They really kind of take the the Count of Monte Cristo story and turn it into more of a rollicking fun adventure where you want the Count to succeed and get everything together and everything to work out and it's work all works out in fun ways. Yeah. Um, and also, I didn't realize this, but Superman plays the son. Henry Cavill is the son. It's like, oh, yeah. of course he is. Now that you look at it, you kind of go... When you see it, if you watch it again, you'll go, wow, yeah, he hasn't that's Henry Cavill. At all, but yeah. never would have thought about that until I, I was just looking through. It's like, of course he's Albert. Yep. Cool. Wonderful. Yeah. Those are our honorable mentions, which means we're on to the actual list. Woo! My number 10 from the year 2000 is Adaptation. Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Okay. I think that was... I was trying to avoid Nicolas Cage movies at that point because... This one's great. Is it? It's a Charlie Kaufman movie. Oh, okay. He wrote it. It's about a screenwriter making a screenplay about the movie that's being... That you're watching about being in a screen... uh, Writing a screenplay. How very meta. It's awesome. Huh. Chris Cooper's great in it. Teo Leone also in that? Maybe? I can't remember. It's been a while since I saw Adaptation. I didn't know that was Kaufman. I didn't... I think it's at a certain point it was just... Because that would have been right around the time of... Like, just hot on the heels of The Rock and Face Off and Con Air. So Nicolas Cage had this reputation of being this terrible actor. But he's also done things like Leaving Las Vegas and Raising Arizona and movies where he's not... Terrible. There's a difference between the stuff that you're talking about and when Spike Jones directs a Charlie Kaufman script. So the guy that makes Being John Malkovich makes a movie written by Charlie Kaufman with Nicolas Cage, Tilda Swinton, Meryl Streep, Chris Cooper. Wow. That's the first four listed. How have I not seen that movie? I don't really know. But yeah, it's it's about a lovelorn screenwriter who becomes desperate as he tries and fails to adapt The Orchid Thief for the screen so you're seeing parts of the movie and you're seeing him try and write the movie and go through classes like yeah it's it's really ridiculous cool I remember when it came out and just I think I said 2000 it's 2002 okay so it's a little bit later okay I just had no real desire to see it and again it could be I was just burned out on Nick Cage but it could be because that is post Gone in 60 Seconds and yeah yeah Anyway, it sounds... Con Air? Sounds really good. Yeah, Con Air was 98. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. You should watch it. I think I will. Yeah. At some point, along with all these other <laughs> movies, like 40s movies and... The thing is, Adaptation is on TV. Is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. And that's on the random, like, movie time and... Right. It's sometimes one of those ones TBS where... will just show Adaptation so because then I can just... just randomly PVR it and... Yes. Okay. That's not so bad. Those ones are much easier for me to... To catch than other ones. Yeah. I'm just checking adaptation. It is not on Netflix. That's a shame. <laughs> well, okay. Worth a shot. Totally. I mostly got the Netflix app on my phone so I could see if shows were on Netflix. I don't ever watch them from my phone because I don't have that much data. That's fair. Yeah. And if you are on Wi-Fi, why are you watching it on your phone? You're probably somewhere where you could just watch it. Use my computer or my iPad or something. TV. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> my number 10 Kate. is Shrek. It's the only okay. animated one I have on here. I 
I loved this movie. I I've seen it sure. a bunch of times. Um, I think the 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 kids' jokes are great, but also the the sarcastic adult jokes adult jokes are what make this movie so good. Yep. I mean, we've all grown up with fairy tales, and just yeah. there's so much about this particular animated movie that just said something to me. That's fair. The biggest thing I would like, I would have, I wish. It would have been Chris Farley. It was like 75% done with Chris Farley when he died. It would have been very different. It would have been very different. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this is like right when Mike Myers was big. And yep. uh, I think he was he was the right person to replace Farley and brought a very different read on it. Yeah. And uh, it obviously worked. It obviously worked. I thought John Lithgow as Lord Farquaad was hilarious, yep. and Eddie Murphy's donkey is just classic. Everybody loves Eddie Murphy. Yep, as donkey at the time. At the time, and I mean, there's it's still one of those movies that I'll find I quote not regularly, but every now and then I'll just be like, in the morning I'm making waffles, and then realize <laughs> that oh yeah, that's a Shrekism. <laughs> I also think it's the first movie I bought on DVD. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, I haven't seen Shrek in a long time. Neither have I, and I feel like maybe I should change that. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> You've got all these uh, 40s movies and adaptation, and man. Sadly, the movies that I know and have seen a thousand times are the ones I'm like, yeah, I could rewatch that instead of watching adaptation. <laughs> and that's my problem. There it is, my undoing. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Number nine, mm-hmm. Old Boy. Oh, okay. From 2003. The Korean version, obviously. Uh-huh. Not the remake that had Josh Brolin in it that came out a couple years ago. Okay. Dave's looking at me blankly, despite the fact that I have talked about it on the podcast before. Cool. See, people are just tuning in for their first podcast. Or people just have a really bad memory. Hi. Hi. Just regale with regale us with a brief synopsis of Old Boy. Uh, a guy is kidnapped, okay. and he's held in a room for fifteen years. Oh, he is then released, and he has five days to find who his captor was. Why does he have five days? Or is that part of the plot? It's you part can't of the. Tell me? It's part of the plot that I don't want to tell you. Okay. Uh, it is rated sixty-seven in the top movies on IMDb of all time. Really. Oh, yeah. It has a user rating of 8.4. It's a 10 for me. All of these are 10s for me. So. Oh, okay. Yep. Huh. Well, that sounds very interesting, and I'm sure I'll remember it next time you bring it up. <clears throat> or you could watch it. Sure. Potentially. See if it's on Netflix. That. I'm working on it. That's where I saw it. That's why I oh, bring okay. it up. Um, oh, boy, all one word. All one word? Yep. Oh, well, that makes it even more interesting for some reason. Old boy. Not boy, boy. Old boy. Uh, nope, also not on here. Dang. Although, awesome. The Hunt with Mads Mikkelsen is the first thing related to old boy, so I don't know what that is, but... Uh, no, I can't actually tell you what that is without <laughs> giving away part of the plot of old boy, but that's actually an appropriate recommendation. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, notwithstanding your 0 for 2 on Netflix recommendations, so... Dang it, Sean. Well, I'm, I'm 0 for 2 on you having seen things on my list. Also, well, we knew that was an inevitability. Yeah, we did. 
It's a top ten list. What are the chances that I've seen all ten movies on your list? Zero. Exactly. Unless, and when we get to the 40s, I tell you all of my ten movies, so you watch those, and it's also your list. That's fair. My number nine is The Last Castle. Okay. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with this one, and it's possible, it came out in 2001. It's got Robert Redford and James Gandolfini. I remember you talking about this on a different list. Yeah, and I can't remember which one it was. Surprises or guilty pleasure movies or something something like that. that. Anyway, there's something about this. So basically, Robert Redford is a former army general who gets convicted of... He gets court-martialed and sent to military prison. Yep. Uh... And James Gandolfini is the warden or the commandant. I'm not sure what the title is for somebody who runs a military prison. But We're just sure. going to go with warden. Sure. And he just, he's kind of unscrupulous and there have been murders and all these random things. And so they, the prisoners on the inside try to get Robert Redford's character because he's very well respected on the outside and they're just trying to get him to kind of help lead a rebellion against James Gandolfini. It's very cool. It was one that when it came out, I wasn't sure how I was going to enjoy it. And I went and saw it in the theater and actually really quite liked it. And every time it's on TV, I watch it and it's got a young um, Mark Ruffalo in it. Hey. Yeah. So, and Delroy Lindo is in it a little bit and everybody loves Delroy Lindo. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Cool. Mm-hmm. My number eight mm-hmm. is City of God. Okay, I know that one. <laughs> Dang it, Dave. What? I know. I. Uh, so this is a Brazilian film from 2002. Okay. It's about oh, yeah. living in the favelas, basically, living in a violent neighborhood in Rio. Mostly it's about centers on two boys, essentially. Um, one becomes a photographer, the other one's a drug dealer. Okay. Essentially, and it follows their lives as they kind of intertwine as they grow up through in the city. Interesting. Um, uh, you've talked about that one before. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm sure. It's number 21 on IMDb for top-rated movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it City of God 10 years later, or is that the sequel? That's actually not the sequel. The sequel is City of Men. That oh. is a documentary following up on the actors because most of the actors in City of God were kids from this favela. Oh, interesting. So they're following up to see where they are 10 years on. Huh. Okay, because that's the only thing on Netflix is City of God 10 years later. Okay. So, interesting. <laughs> you, you've definitely talked about it. And as soon as you, started, as soon as you said Brazilian and talked about like the yeah. favelas? Favelas, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, I remember the sounds of that's this. That's where the monkeys can't bite Ronaldo anymore. Sure, yeah. right. Okay. So I that's one that I own, so that's one oh. you can borrow. But you still haven't watched Outlander, so... No, I haven't. Is that from the 2000s? Not this era, no. Okay. Better watch that before we do the next set of 2000s. <laughs> now who's to say it would make, make my it. list? <laughs> What's that? It'll make it. <laughs> I'm confident. You like Count of Monte Cristo. This is basically just Jim Caviezel as Space Viking Monte Cristo. It's it's literally that. So perfect. Okay. So yeah, uh, City of God. Okay. My number eight. Excellent. Um, my number eight is higher on Sean's list. Hooray! Well, scratch that one off. Good talk, Dave. Yep. I liked it. I'm doing real well on this one. I think you have seen my number seven. Perfect. I'm going to make sure my number seven is not on your list. 
It is not. Okay. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It was on my short list. Okay. Yeah. Woo! Um, batten. One, two, three, four, five, six. Like, 500 right now, including honorable yeah. mentions. That's not too bad. That's not too bad for me. It's amazing. It's so good. Michel Gondry, top-rated movie number 86 on IMDb. Okay. I don't even need to worry about this one being on IM, or on Netflix because I own it. There you go. So do I. So if Excellent. yours craps out, you can borrow it's mine. entirely possible. It's amazing. It's Jim Carrey's best work as far as I'm concerned. Well, and... Kate Winslet's amazing in it. Oh, Tom Wilkinson's so amazing in it. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is also in that. <laughs> yes, he is. And Elijah Wood? Yep. Yeah, it's just... And David Cross. Oh, yeah. Don't forget David Cross. And Kirsten Dunst. Oh, yeah, right. She's in it, too. It's just, it's a stacked cast. I love the concept of it. Yeah. Everybody's had a, a, a relationship that has impacted them so much that they want to forget. Once the relationship ends, they want to forget what's yeah. happened. And the idea that you can take away these memories. Yep. And they're just black spots on your life. It's just, it's a remarkable, remarkable concept. And then the it, the process of Jim Carrey's character sort of fighting it and you're moving through his memories. So you get these weird, surreal moments and this, when he's a kid all of a sudden. Yeah. So he's hiding her somewhere and they're trying to chase. And yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. And then just kind of the way it all wraps up. It's just, it's such a, it's thoughtful and charming but also kind of terrifying at the same time and just yeah it's it's really well done and i do agree it's some of jim carrey's best work yeah i mean as as far as i mean all his comedies from the early 90s are terrific oh sure and they're really funny but that's him as a comic not him showing off as that he actually has He's actually acting a fantastic chops. actor when he wants to be yeah there are some things that and i i just don't think he ever really got taken seriously because of the mask because and Ace Ventura. You, dumb and dumber. You and watch that commercial of the fake rhinoceros and him coming out the back end of it so many times. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to watch a Jim Carrey movie. No. Well, some of them are actually pretty darn good. Yeah. If you're not into that. I enjoyed the first Ace Ventura. I so did I. The, the first mask was fun. Dumb and dumber. Yeah. The first one is fine. Yeah. Jim Carrey is a comedian, especially because that was, like, we were growing up at that point. Yeah. And, I mean... Yeah, I, I last night I quoted Ace Ventura for about a half an hour because <laughs> it's just so damn funny, and I was giggling about it. And well, and you love Dan Marino. Who I doesn't love Dan do Marino? Do love Dan Marino, right? So yeah, it's just there's something about about that film that you at least get to see what he was capable of. Yep. I mean, then he went on to do some schlock, but all actors do that, and now oh, he's yeah. just kind of doing stuff, doing stuff. Yep. One of my favorite things he ever did was when the Foo Fighters were on Saturday Night Live and they were playing times like these. He came on and just started air guitaring in the middle of the stage. No reason. He wasn't just... hosting that night. He just came up for about a minute and a half, played his leg like a guitar, and off he went. Great. Super. Yeah. I love stuff like that. And so, But he could kind of get away with it because he's Jim Carrey. Yeah, and exactly. He's, he's eccentric, right? Anyway. Uh, I'm glad you talked about that one because it was it was on my list and I yeah. felt bad leaving it off. Yeah. <coughs> well, that's fair. You needed to make room for Memento. Sure. Yeah. Chris Nolan. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Chris Nolan before he really 
became famous. Yes, definitely. Because I think the movie he did before that was The Following, which most people haven't seen. I, I no, I haven't seen it. So, and then after he did, um, what's the one with Robin Williams, where it takes place in, like, Alaska. Oh. You know the one I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Insomnia? That's the one, yeah. Because that was also Christopher Nolan, wasn't it? I thought that was Fincher, but I will check. Oh. For some reason, I thought it was, like, from the guy who wrote, who did Memento. No, you're right. Okay. It is, yeah. So, but then, but then he goes on, I mean, all the Batman... The, the Batman Begins and the Dark Knight trilogy and then yep. Inception, like, all of a sudden Dunkirk's are coming. Yeah, exactly. Everybody loves Christopher Nolan. They've left Nolan. out Interstellar, probably because he hasn't seen it yet. Totally. But <laughs> Memento has just done so well. Yeah, it is. Guy Pierce plays a guy with short-term memory problems yep. because of a, a break-in and he ended up having, like, damage to his brain. And so he's perpetually on the hunt for his wife's killer. Yep. And it's just, man. And, you, and you're watching it in reverse as well. In reverse and, in like, it, it jumps back and forth between going backwards and going forwards. Like, you, it, it's really hard to explain unless yeah. you've seen it. It is. And once you see it and it all kind of ties in together, you just go, oh, cool. With the special edition on DVD and Blu-ray, you can watch it in order. Oh, really? Not as good of a film. It doesn't seem like it would be. There's something about the way that it's... And this is why I like Christopher Nolan is because he can take an idea and go, this is a really interesting story. It would be more interesting... This way. We did it this way. Yep. Um, so it's not just a gimmick. It is. It actually really affects how the film works. Memento. That doesn't surprise me, actually. I would like to try watching it straight through. It's like there's something like the the backwards episode of Seinfeld. I'd like to try watching... Front to back. Oh, yeah. Then there's some things like that that would be interesting to see it chronologically instead of however it's done. Just just to because. See just to see how difference. it flows and that sort of thing. And so yeah. that way you can form your own opinion. But I never I never watched this movie and thought, oh, yeah, it's just a shtick. It's just a gimmick. Right. I always watched it when. But something like that could be. Like, 100%. Oh, we're telling I, the story backwards yeah. and there's weird little clips and stuff. Is it, eh. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But I think there's also some humor in that because. I mean, I don't want to give much away, but because Guy Pierce is, you kind of get to hear his his internal monologue. Yeah. And at one point, um, because he has short term memory problems, like he's getting, he's running and he's got a gun in his hand, and there's a guy who's kind of running parallel to him, and he said, "Why am I running?" And then like, then he goes, "Oh, am I chasing this guy?" And the guy shoots him like, "No, he's chasing me." And so you know why, and it kind of comes out yeah. after. But anyway, it's it's. Or in the bathroom with the bottle. He's like, I don't feel drunk. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So there's little things like that that... And don't watch the remake 50 First Dates. <laughs> I totally went to 50 First Dates in the movie theater. I, I didn't... saw it too. Did you? In theaters. Yeah. I didn't pay for it. I won, like, I won passage to the, to the sneak preview. Oh, good. Yeah. I went with a girl. I was like, this will be great. And it was awful. But then we went to Moxie's after and got, like, some sort of hot... Jalapeno poppers? Brownie oh. ice cream thing. And it was like, this makes up for it. That's fair. Yeah. So that's my number seven. Cool. My number six, which Dave has totally seen because he's totally seen it, is called Kung Fu Hustle. It's from 2004. That was kind of a joke, Dave. It's okay. I thought so. Was that the one... Did it win oh. an Oscar? No. Oh, what am I thinking? I, I don't know. Okay. No, I didn't mean it. I, 
Never mind. Continue. Kung Fu Panda? No. What's the one when John Stewart was hosting the Oscar and there was the Martin Scorsese Zero and Three Six Mafia? Three Six Mafia. What did they do? What did they win for? Their song. It's for hard out there for a pimp. What? What? Hustle movie? and flow. Hustle and flow. Kung yeah. Fu hustle, hustle and flow. It I has knew there hustle, was hustle in it. somewhere in there. That's what I was thinking. Continue. What's Kung Fu hustle about? God, I'm sucking at this today. <laughs> I'm not helping much, but that's mostly because my back is really, really sore, and I'm having to sit and podcast so, so we're, we're yeah. both kind of loopy yeah um which probably makes for better listening yeah, hope so yeah in shanghai okay set in the 40s okay it's a wannabe gangster aspiring to join a notorious gang known as the axe gang okay while residents of a housing complex exhibit extraordinary powers in fighting off said gang okay it's a comedy fantasy action movie okay. by Stephen Chow, was which is a name you may recognize. He's done a, a set of movies like this, like Shaolin Soccer is his. Okay. All of that. I definitely, I remember Kung Fu Hustle coming out. I just haven't seen it. Yeah. So I had no idea what it was about. Yeah. It sounds Bright, like a colorful, delightful rump. It, yeah. Rump? Rump. It's a great rump. It is. <laughs> it's, it is. It's a rump. It's funny. Okay. It's weird. Yeah. It's fantastical. It's just, it's fun. Kind of a, like, it just kind of feels tongue-in-cheek based on how many other martial arts movies were kind of coming out around that time that took themselves so seriously. Exactly. This was kind of taking a shot at those, but at the same time being a good martial arts film in its own right. Cool. It's flashy and colorful instead of the dour. I like Hero. I do, but it's like, it's not going to make my list, but... It's a great film. Right. Crouching Tiger. It's fun. Yeah. But those are so serious, whereas Kung Fu Hustle really isn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds about right. So okay. that's my number six. Cool. My number six is the only Wes Anderson I have on here. Oh. Uh, it's the Royal Tenenbaums. I actually got into a conversation five hours ago about the Royal Tenenbaums and just how great a movie it is. That's um, fair. It's just... it. With the exception of the Grand Budapest Hotel, it is probably my favorite Wes Anderson. Gotcha. And I'm still a Moonrise guy. Sure. Uh, Have I've you just, seen that one yet? No. Okay. I, that's one of the few I haven't. Yeah. Um, but this one, I love the characters. I love oh, the story. Fair. I love... Yeah. Gene Hackman is so good in it. He's really good in Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> and I mean, it's Wes Anderson, and Wes Anderson just does such a good job of... Yes, he casts his friends... But the roles but that great he actors. casts them in are suitable for them. It's not just Steven Spielberg casting Kate Capshaw because she needed work. It's him casting Owen Wilson as Cash. Dave just can't let that go. No. We'll never let Eli that go. Eli Cash because Owen Wilson was so good as Eli Cash. Yeah. Anyway, yes. I don't mind the fact that Bill Murray is in all of them. No. That's fine. Hey, look, there's Bill Murray for 10 minutes. Didn't need to be Bill Murray, but it is, and that's great. Exactly. And I actually loved him as the psychiatrist in this one. And he's... That's why I brought it up. <laughs> he's kind of odd and kind of eccentric, but the last time you see him is just such a big F you to Gwyneth Paltrow. And it's just, it's... That's all I'm going to say for those of you who yeah. haven't seen it. If you have seen it, you know how good it is. If you haven't, 
You should check it out. Yeah. yeah. That's another one that's on TV a lot. It is. You can definitely catch that. I've seen it on stuff like Global in Canada. Yeah. Just random Saturday movies on yeah. regular network. You'll I also own one. this one on DVD. Oh, yeah. Because. Well, then you can tweet at Dave to borrow his copy of Royal Tenenbaums. There you go. I will totally send it to you wherever you live. <laughs> oh, man. I hope somebody does that now. <laughs> All right. Y'all know the drill. The second half of our top 10 list is going to be brought to you in part by Wickham Standard Assurances. Are you feeling down? Call Wickham Standard Assurances for their diverse packages available in both self-esteem boosting, compliments, or their new Emperor package that involves a trio of complimentary friend agents bringing your head image into the new year. That's Wickham Standard Assurances, assuring you in the future. And we're back, and I'm going to pass it right over to Sean, because he went first. And I'm back! Woo! Kill Bill, my number five. Sure. Both of them together. Yeah, that makes sense. Rather than separating out volume one and volume two, it's 2003 and 2004. I mean, it would be trickier if it was 2004 and 2005, because that's spanning two podcast subjects, but... Then I would have just said volume one. Right. If you had to pick one. One. Okay. That makes sense. And I would agree... It's just, it's gorier that the fight scene against the crazy 88s is just... Yeah, that's the best. That's the reason why that movie is so good. Yeah. But I do love the speech, like Bill's speech at the end of mm-hmm. 2, where he's making the sandwich with the giant butcher knife for some reason. <laughs> spreading, I think it's mayonnaise. mayonnaise. He's spreading yep. the mayonnaise with the knife and cutting the crusts off. And, and the snake stuff, and that's got more Michael Madsen in it. Like, I really do like the second one. But 100%. It's hard to separate the two of them apart because they're basically the same movie they were just too long so he separated them into two volumes yeah okay and the first one it's got more martial arts but the second one with her training is more like a kung fu type movie yep it is so i could see why he would have wanted to make it one movie because then it's a kung fu movie i did air quotes on that right but you guys can't see that because this is not a video podcast i'll see it for you perfect sean saw it for everybody yeah, it's um I I yeah, it just fits so well as one collective. It does. So it's rather I mean, than separating it out and I know that we have we do this more than once because it would be silly for me to be Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2, and Volume 2 would have been a couple spots lower and uh why? Exactly. So it just it's spoiler Tarantino. alert it's for fun. later on in the list there's another one where we do that too yep it's it's tarantino it's one of my favorite tarantinos uma thurman's great in it yes uh i love david carradine i love michael madison in this movie i just like michael madison in general but yep in this particular movie the cast is terrific i like that samuel jackson has about a 30 second bit (laughs) in it um casting your friends yeah exactly who are also talented yep and it's just like hey sam I know you're probably doing other things because you're in everything, but do you want to come and play? What's 2003? He has Star Wars to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget. Mace Windu? Yeah. Yes! Killing it! And Grandma Tarkin. <laughs> Plug to last week. <laughs> or, as I was leaving, I thought Grandma Tarkin. Ooh. Yeah. He's just a... <laughs> He's... It's Peter Cushing... 
fighting Godzilla. I'd watch that. Totally. They have the technology. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you need to add about Kill Bill? I don't think so. Everybody knows it. Great soundtrack. How's Great that? Great soundtrack. I'll add that. The, is it the two, four, six, eights? Is that the one? Woohoo! Woohoo! Oh, I think. Ooh. Maybe? I think they're the. I think they're called the two, two four, four, six, six eights. eights. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. That song. I think they used it for a like a, a wind mobile or something commercial for years. They definitely did. Which made me like that song less. But at the time, in in the context of the movie. Love it. Yeah. But also, there's some terrific, terrific music in that. Five, six, seven, eights. Yep. Oh, I was so well close. I got two of the four numbers right. Yeah. I knew it wasn't the one, two, three, fours, but it... Anyway. It was some number sequence. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Nope. Cool. My number five is <clears throat> Ocean's Eleven. Okay. It's a good film. Yeah, I really like it. I've seen it hundreds of times. Yeah. Speaking of on TV. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. It's it's a charming movie. Uh, everybody loves a good heist film. Yep. The cast is really, really, really solid. Yes, it is. It's vastly different from the original. Brad Pitt eats so much food. Brad Pitt eats so, so much, much food. So much food. And I don't know if I noticed it the first time that I watched it, but as you watch, like, the second or third time through that I was watching, like, he is eating or drinking in literally every scene. Every scene. Yes. And that was a his choice, right? That yeah. was something that he asked for, and I'm not entirely sure why. I don't know why either, because he'd have to continuously eat if they had to do more than one takes, which means he's always going to be eating. Now, granted, in one scene when he's picking up balloons, he's sucking on a lollipop. Not that sure. big a deal, but when he's picking up Danny outside the prison, he's eating a hamburger. Yeah, he might have had to eat seven or eight hamburgers oh, that day. Now, I think he's taking one bite. Sure. But still... Oh, <laughs> when we were first starting to do blank sketches and everything like that, I was always pumped about, oh, I can eat in this scene. And Sean was like, you realize you're going to have to do that again and again and, and again, again and, and again, again and again, right? And all of a sudden, the luster of getting to eat a lot kind of wore off. Yeah. And suddenly I don't want to do, I mean, obviously we do it if we have to and we've, Written sketches that involve eating and... Yep. Don't you play the in one of those sketches the guy who eats peanut butter and banana sandwiches in the fat suit? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's me. Yeah. I'm also, at one point, editing something with two danishes in my hand, so I've got highlighter taped to my glasses, right? Yeah. Yeah. You will eat a lot of danishes that day. Yeah. <laughs> if the sketch show ever gets picked up, you'll get to see those. Yep. Who the hell knows at this point? Anyway... Ocean's Eleven. Great heist movie. It's in who, Las Vegas. Who doesn't want to rob a casino? Yeah. I mean, I don't, because no, I no. don't think it would Wouldn't go succeed, that well. But and I don't have the wherewithal or the brains to pull off something like that. Or yeah. the technology. Yeah. Or the backer. I don't have an Elliot Gould to give me a bunch of money to do this. You could just ask Elliot Gould. I could. He seems nice. He seems... He, he does. He seems like an awesome dude. I wish Elliot Gould was my grandpa. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. We are up to number four. We are. Gosford Park. Okay. I am aware of this movie. Have not seen this movie. It is a Robert Altman film. Okay. From 2001. It's essentially, think Downton Abbey. It's oh. an upstairs-downstairs story in 1932. 
So it's a little later than Downton Abbey. Sure. Downton Abbey's World War One era and a little into the 20s. Well, anyway. <laughs> We're not talking semantics on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> never do that. So it's the lives of the upstairs and downstairs guests uh, over a weekend, and then there's a murder. Okay. It's quite long. Two and a half-ish hours. Oh, my. Okay. Would you like to know the cast, Dave? I feel like I know who's in this cast, but can't remember. Maggie Smith. Okay. Michael Gambon. You know Michael Gambon. I'm you have seen up. him in a pile of things. Oh, yes. Okay. Kristen Scott Thomas. Okay. Uh, Camilla Rutherford. Okay. Charles Dance. I know the name. Oh, yeah. You know Charles Dance. He's in tons of things. Okay. You might not know Geraldine Somerville. Tom Hollander, Jeremy Northam, Bob Balaban, James Wilby, Claudie Blakely, Lawrence Fox, Trent Ford, Ryan Felipe, Stephen Fry, Kelly McDonald, Clive Owen, Helen Mirren, Emily Watson, Derek Jacoby, Richard Grant, Jeremy Swift, Sophie Thompson, Adrian Scarborough, and I'm skipping some at this point. Good lord. It's an amazing cast. Yeah. And it takes place both upstairs and downstairs simultaneously. So you're following two large groups of people through this whole murder investigation and the weekend at this country house. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's one of Robert Altman's best as far as I'm concerned. You know Robert Altman. He made MASH, yeah. the film, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But MASH probably is. Sure. Speaking of Elliot Gould. Yeah. Uh, Charles Dance is in Game of Thrones. I know. I know. I was just... We've had this... Com- we literally talked about Charles Dance like two weeks ago. I know. Okay. <laughs> I just can never remember his damn name. Okay? Back off! But he's in tons of stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, that sounds... Ridiculous. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. I just... I, I... It was one of those ones where I'd heard of it and had no idea because it's... The title tells you nothing about... No. Nope what's going to happen. I mean, obviously... That's where it happens. Right. And it, so it's like, unless you know the description, Gosford Park just sounds like... A, I don't know, a, a Neil LeBute play or something. Which would also maybe be Probably good. Probably also be good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, cool. Well, that sounds delightful. It is. And do you own it? I don't, actually. Okay. Let's just go to the old <laughs> Apple phone. I'm going to guess that, no, it's not on Netflix. I'm... Well, I'm hopeful, but I'm pretty sure it's not. G-O-S-F-O-R-D, right? Yep. No, but oddly enough, the first thing that is related to Gosford Park is Downton Abbey, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, just striking out on all these ones that I haven't seen before, but whatever. I'll if, find them at some point. If anyone hasn't seen it and loves Downton Abbey, you should really watch Gosford Park. Cool. So... All right. Well, there you go. Uh, my number four also stars Brad Pitt. It's Snatch. Cool. Um, I would say between Snatch and Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels as far as Guy Ritchie movies I prefer Lockstock okay uh, Lockstock came out while I was still in high school Snatch came out just after I graduated and right. I mean not that that matters just my buddy Jake and I would watch Lockstock, Lockstock over and over over and over and yeah. I love that movie but I also love Snatch it's one of the few movies that my dad will watch on a regular basis oh yeah my dad doesn't really believe in watching a movie more than maybe once or twice. But gotcha. that's one where if it's on TV, he will watch it every time it's on. It's and really I good. can't blame him. I it's funny and 
I mean, it's very well written. I love Brad Pitt as the Pikey. Yep. I think he was supposed to be. How did that work? He was supposed to be Irish, but couldn't really do it, so he just ended up doing the Pikey or something like that. I think that was the story. Yeah. So he just mumbled and. It worked out pretty well, and it's yeah. just like every. That's the thing people remember most from that movie. Pretty much. Um, I remember the dog eating the diamond too. Yeah. I also really like Snatch. It just it was on my short list, but didn't. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. My short lists are 30 movies long. Exactly. So, so I figured it was probably close, but yep. you also know how much I love the movie. So yep. why talk about it twice? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Did you want to, for people who haven't seen it, because that's not as super well known, give us a quick description <laughs> of Snatch? Oh my God. How do you describe that? So it's about a diamond. It's about one diamond that basically everybody is trying to get their hands on. Right. Um, it's got, so it's, it's a stacked cast. I mean, off the top of my head without looking at IMDb, it's got Brad Pitt, it's got, um, yep. Vinnie Jones, it's got, um, uh, why the hell can I, Benicio Del Toro. Yep. Um. Frankie Fourfingers. Frankie, as Frankie Fourfingers. It's got the guy whose name I can never remember, but he plays the Russian in everything that needs a Russian. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina? Cousin oh, Eddie. yeah, 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 yeah. Dennis Farina. He's important. Yeah, he is important. <laughs> Dennis Farina, I was like, he's one of those names where I can picture him, but I couldn't remember what his, his name was. Yep. Um, and I think the guy who plays Spud from Chainspotting is in it. Yep, Ewan Bremner. He's yeah, in it. Ewan Bremner is in it. Um, yeah, so it's just like... it's Big for Walking Dead fans, Lenny James is in it. He plays Morgan yep. in Walking Dead. He's yep. in Snatch. He's Saul. Yeah, he plays Saul, and uh, anybody who's um, a Boardwalk Empire, uh, the guy who plays Capone, Steve, what's his name? Stephen Graham. Stephen Graham is in it. Oh, and like, um, <laughs> it's coming. Okay. God, I'm terrible with names today. Oh God, he was in the transporter, and he was in. Are you Italian wanting me to tell John? you it? Jason Statham. Okay. God, terrible, Dave. Jason Statham is like the main character He's in that movie. The lead. I know. <laughs> like... Brad Pitt. Anyway, so it's basically everybody's trying to get their hands. It, it's all about. It's kind of like a, a heist movie, but there's boxing and bare knuckle boxing, and it's unscrupulous boxing promoters, violent bookmakers, a Russian gangster, incompetent amateur robbers, and supposedly Jewish jewelers fight to track down a priceless stolen diamond. There that's you go. the synopsis. That's a way that, better synopsis. That's the synopsis that IMDb has. Because we're obviously surfing on IMDb to make sure that we're not making horrible, horrible mistakes that I get yelled about <laughs> later. So, yeah, so Snatch is about the Tooth Fairy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Starring uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> I don't know who else is in that movie, but. The, the Tooth Fairy? Yeah. I don't know either. The second one had Larry the Cable Guy, I think. My number three. <laughs> <laughs> That's as good a time as any. My number three was Dave's number eight? Yes. Shaun of the Dead, 2004. I figured it would be on yours, but it was. Love Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my it, – it's rated 10 on mine, so I had to put it on there because I only have so many. Yep. I love Hot Fuzz. I just recently rewatched Hot Fuzz because it's oh, yeah. very good. Yep, it is. And spoilers to the next when couple we... lists, it will probably be close to my top – in my top 10 Yeah, it's not on there. But Shaun of the Dead is just – It's so good. It's so good. It's a zombie reference movie 
but it's also a zombie movie. Yeah. And it's a comedy, but it's also one of the best zombie movies ever made. It really like, is. It's, it's actually a pretty darn good zombie film. It's a tip of the hat to basically every zombie movie ever made. To that point, yep. Sure. Uh, but not the fast ones. If, no. Because there are people who consider the 28 Days Later monsters to be zombies. So sure. those aren't involved. This is the classic shuffling. zombie creatures. Yeah. Yeah. With a twist. It's funny. I mean, Bill Nye is in it. And yes, he's he is. so good. And obviously Nick Frost and Simon Pegg are terrific in this movie. Yep. <sighs> Guy's trying to... In a... Guy is in a dead-end job. Sean is in a dead-end job. Yeah. And loses his girlfriend because of it. He's not willing to move on and keeps forgetting everything and still kind of a man-child. Yeah. Because his best friend is totally a man-child yeah. who deals weed <laughs> to pay the rent. <laughs> and then they wake up, and it's the zombie apocalypse, and all he can think about is saving his family and his girlfriend. Yeah. So. I will never, ever hear Don't Stop Me Now by Queen without thinking about that movie. Yeah. There's some mo- songs that are now just so synonymous with the movies in which they've appeared. Oh, yeah. And that is one of them. Yep. I'm not... Again, I'm sure most of our listeners have probably seen this movie. I would imagine. It's pretty famous. It launched, for all intents and purposes, the careers of Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. I yeah, mean, who now makes Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. And Edgar Wright, the director, as well. Yeah, so they had done other things prior to this, a yep. lot of it on BBC, but this yep. was the thing that kind of... And make references to it in Shaun of the Dead, sure. so if you know their earlier stuff, like Asylum, like Space, you will yeah. see that. But this kind of catapulted them across the pond yep. and into North American culture. Yep. And it's funny. So fun. So fun. It's so good. Easily one of my favorite zombie movies. And Sean is spelled right. So of course wow. I'm going to like it. Sure. Well, it is. In your world. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying. I live in Earth, Dave. <laughs> only got one world. <laughs> the Irish in me disagrees, but... Yeah, but the Gaelic's fine. You're allowed to spell it like that. <laughs> if you speak Gaelic, sure. Yeah. It's not spelled S-H-A-W-N. Yeah, exactly. Or there's no G in it or something like yeah. that. No. Yeah. No. No, no scene is, is fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't speak Gaelic. Or Sean Higgins, the MLB player, C-H-O-N-E. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's not Chone. <laughs> Sorry if Chone Figgins listens to this or anybody who spells Sean with the W. Yeah, it's fine. It's just Americanized. Eh. <laughs> Moving right along. My number three is High Fidelity. Of course it is. Of course it is. I, what, I mean, I can't talk about this movie. Any, I can't. I can talk about this movie all the time. It's the movie that made me want to work in a record store. Yeah. It still makes me want to work in a record store. If they existed, if I'm they sure you existed. would. If they existed. I mean, you, vinyl is making a comeback, but it's not. Mm-hmm. But it's sold at stuff like Anthropology And, and HMV. Yeah. And HMV isn't a record store. It's a... Clothing and Funko Pop store that occasionally sells music. And DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> or and, Blu-rays, And I guess. games, actually. They yeah. sell video games now, too. So, like, they... When we were growing up, HMV was... Music. Cassettes and CDs. And then they expanded into DVDs, which was great, because it was a place we could get movies. And the odd t-shirt. But it wasn't pop culture t-shirts. That was where you could buy Nirvana t-shirts. Totally. Or Soundgarden t-shirts. Yeah. Whereas now you can get... Or bread. Like... <laughs> nice. That's a Simpsons reference. It's yeah. a big pull. But now you can get a coffee mug at HMV. They just kind of sell everything. Yeah, we bought our zombie gnome at an HMV. Yeah. 
So fine. I just they have to diversify. Digital music. Absolutely. That's how I buy my music. Yeah. If I want stuff on vinyl, we have a record player sitting next to us. Yeah. Then okay, I'll buy vinyl. But as when I was in my teen years and my early twenties, if I was going to the mall, one of the things I would do would stop would be stop at HMV. Yeah. Regardless of what you were going for, you Absolutely. had to swing through just to see what was there, see what sort of specials there were, see if there was a CD of somebody who you didn't know was put out or like get something an old album that you haven't picked up yet whereas now when I'm in the mall I might go to HMV one every five trips yeah maybe and I'll walk through and go I'm good and then I'll go to chapters yeah so anyway hi Fidelity that's what we were talking about Uh, (laughs) that was a nice little sidebar it's about Rob Gordon who makes lists out of everything, and he's grumpy and surly, and he's an awful character. Like, yep, he's a great character in the sense that he's compelling to watch, and he makes the movie really entertaining. If he was a real person, he's an awful person. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but it's all about relationships and music. Twenty-year-old mm-hmm. Dave could totally relate to that. Oh yeah, because now Dave can't. <laughs> You're number two. <laughs> It's, it, uh, I mean, it's um, John Cusack and Jack Black before Jack Black really got famous. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Robbins has the best part in that movie. Weirdly enough, yep. Uh, and I said a lot, actually. Tim Robbins will just show up in something and you'll yeah. go, huh, okay then. Okay, he is kind of the weird dreadlock <laughs> sort of worldly character. Or an anchorman when it's just like, oh, he's the PBS of news guy. Of course he's the of PBS news guy. Of course you're the PBS guy. news guy. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's terrific in it. Yeah. Um, the movie's very well written. The the Nick the book by Nick Hornby is also very good. Oh, cool. Um, okay. But if you've seen the movie, you've read the book. Like it's ah, fair very similar. Yeah. Um, anyway, which isn't a bad thing. No, it's nice to have that on occasion, but. It, Knowing that I wouldn't get more out of the book than the movie. You have I no don't... reason to go and read the book. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Our number two. Yeah, it's the same. It's, All the Lord of the Rings. It's three movies, but <sighs> for Dave to separate them out, it would have taken three spots. Exactly. For me, maybe two. Which one would you leave off? The first one. Yeah. Probably. Not that I don't like it. It's just... I. I do like adaptation Old Boy City of God probably more than I like the first Lord of the Rings. Sure. Film. One, it just sets everything up. You're you're setting the scene for the battles, and you're setting yeah. the scene for all the action that eventually happens. Yeah. It's basically and it's a three-hour-long movie of... The Council of Elrond and walking. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, I still love it. Yeah. It's still a tan. Fine. <laughs> but it's not... Not my favorite of the yeah. three. But the the trilogy altogether, yeah, is just dynamite. Yep, it is. I mean, the extended editions are even better. There's still, I mean, because there's six books and there's only so much that you can. So there's like two halves of each book. There's like the anyway. I know it's just just the three, but it's kind of divided up. Each book is divided up into two parts. Am I wrong on that? I'm very confused as to where you're going with this. Well, it's just missing. There's a lot of stuff that's missing from the movies. That are in the books. That are in the books. Sure, yeah. But considering how much there is to draw from, there's only so much they that they could put in. 
True, but it is only three books. And they're not divided into halves. They're just books. Well... Maybe your version's divided into sets. Yeah. But traditionally, it's just three books. Sure. Like That's why I was confused. You're like, it's six books. Fel- it's I, like, know it's, no? I know it's only the Fellowships and Two Towers and Return of the King. Right. But like, I have one where it's the box set and it's like... The, the fellowship is divided into two because it's like the part one of the book and part two of the book anyway. Okay, sure. That's kind of a tangent and we're just digressing for no particular reason. There's a lot of stuff left out of the books because there's so much damn information in those books. True, but I don't know that we needed Tom Bombadil. And they did a good enough, especially in the extended editions, they did a good enough part of, they didn't, they drew from that. yeah. But didn't have that There's whole song and stuff. It. But well, it's... songs and like the with Mary and Pippin drinking the water and like the ant water and and getting taller. Yeah, and like getting like when one one of them gets almost engorged by the tree. That all happened in Tom Bombadil. But yep. you can find different ways to incorporate that without having to have that entire other subplot. Yeah, which because that would have been another hour <laughs> at least. Yeah, so we're. And that doesn't move the story forward. No. At all. It doesn't. No. Tom's wonderful, but he doesn't move the story forward. It's just, it's an interstitial part, which kind of ties some theme stuff through. You can skip that. And you can, instead of making an hour, you have them in the Ent world. Yeah. In Fangorn Forest, hanging out and getting swallowed up by a tree, and then have just Treebeard come and be like, don't do that! And that's the end of that. Exactly. Same sort of concept without having to introduce yet another character who is not as integral as Treebeard. Right. Yeah. To the story that they chose to tell. Exactly. Especially considering when you take a look at what they did with the Hobbit movies, it's like, hey, here's Radagast the Brown. Yeah. You remember Radagast the Brown from the Hobbit book, right? Nope. <laughs> no. He's not in it. Yeah. Well, and that's... The Hobbit is not a three-movie book. No. The Hobbit is a one-movie book. Maybe two. Maybe two. If you want to really tell all of it, you could do it in two. Fine. But don't try and make it a three-movie epic just to try and make more money. And then when you realize you don't have enough material, do something like... Start pulling appendices in. Exactly. Which is what they had to do. Yeah. Like, okay, great. Anyway, uh, the trilogy is terrific. When I first got to university, I had wanted nothing to do with Lord of the Rings. My friends made me watch Fellowship. And then, because of that, I was hooked and went and watched the midnight uh, showing of Two, Two Towers, Towers and did the nice. same thing with Return of the King. Yep. I was an instant convert. I read both. I read Fellowship and then Two Towers after I had seen the books or after I had seen the movies. Right. But then was able to read Return of the King before the movie came out, so I oh, knew nice. what I was missing or yeah. what I was going to come into. And, like, knowing that she love was coming up was so exciting. Yeah. And wanting to know how they did it. And I, I was not disappointed. And so I no. went from not caring at all about Lord of the Rings and thinking that the concept was stupid to being an instant fan. It is the basis of all fantasy and a pile of science fiction for the rest of our lives, basically mm-hmm. from when it was produced. Yeah. yeah. No, it's important. They're great films. I'm glad that the Oscars handled them the way they did. Where it was like, we understand that they're all really good, but Return of the King, we're going to honor what you've achieved completely. So here's every Oscar we can give it. Yeah. It's like, okay, good. I like the fact that you actually, and that's one of the few times they acknowledge something stupidly popular Mm -hmm. as being a great film. 
because they don't do was. that very often. And it was stupidly popular, but it is a great film. It is as a great well. film. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So my number one, mm-hmm. which somehow I'm Uh-oh. wondering about why. Uh oh. Oh brother, where art thou was not on Dave's list at all. It, it was shortlisted. I just. It's not my favorite Coen Brothers. Really? No. So I I really love the okay. movie. Don't get me wrong. I love the soundtrack. I did see it. It's not one that I forgot to it, that I overlooked. It was shortlisted. I was just like. There's just so many things on here that I love. I guess I could have probably replaced, like, The Last Castle. <laughs> That's where my wondering is. That's fair. Because it's like, The Last is Castle is a fine film, Castle. but Oh Brother is a much yeah. more interesting film. I've also recently watched it again. It's a great Coen Brothers movie. It's Kluntang doing a great job. It's, it's essentially the Odyssey, yeah, but done in the South in the 20s? Yeah, because it's... 20, well, late 20s, early 30s. It's, it's Depression, depression so 30s, yeah. 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 Uh, They're... Tim escape- Blake Nelson and John Turturro and... and They're amazing. The Kluntang. Yep. They're three prison escapees. Who are shackled together for a, a chunk of it. And yeah. Because George Clooney convinced them that he had treasure that they needed to go get. Yeah. But it was actually about trying to save his marriage. Yeah. To Holly Hunter. Yep. Uh, John Goodman is the Cyclops. The Cyclops. Um, you've got uh, the Sirens. Charles you've Durning got... as the the incumbent senator, senator or governor. 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 It's just. Oh, yep. God, it's so good. And there's a clan meeting. There's a clan meeting, and who doesn't love Man of Constant Sorrow? Exactly. It is a great film. <laughs> it is so good. I probably should have put it on there, but it was one of those. I think. I was going through ratings, and it probably, at, at some point when I was originally doing my ratings, I probably rated it lower in comparison to other Coen Brothers movies. Oh. But then, like, compared to other movies, movies, I should probably have it rated higher. Probably. So. That's the thing. And that's, I used to do that as well. It's like, mm, this isn't my favorite of these movies, but then. Compared why to. Why does Oh Brother, Where Art Thou have a lower rating for me than some random movie exactly. that we're talking about. Oh man, this was a really good B movie. I really like Ghost Game. Why is O Brother Where Art Thou rated lower than Ghost Game? That's not right. Totally. Well, I mean like I could have put Last Castle's honorable mention and dropped Death to Smoochie and then put O Brother Where Art Thou in here. That's Change my list. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Too late. Damn it. So um, my number 1. Yeah. It's one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, it's I really it's do very love that good. One. So. Uh, it, terrific soundtrack. Terrific soundtrack. Yeah. Beautifully shot, beautifully acted. Yeah. They think one of them's turned into a toad for a while. Like, it's... It's... Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Very good. My number one, no surprise here, is Almost Famous. Yeah. It's about music. Yeah. Stillwater. Stillwater. Uh, whoops. <laughs> Kate Hudson's great. Uh, Patrick Fugit is great. Yeah. Billy Crudup is awesome. I love Jason Lee as the lead singer. Yeah. Um, and you're sitting in his chair right now. Oh, yeah. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's my favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman part. So Talked about that during the Quotes podcast. Yeah, we did. Late last year. Yeah. Singing Tiny Dancer on the Bus is amazing. Yep. The music is terrific. It's partially autobiographical for Cameron Crowe. What can't you like about this movie? It's It's my number one of this this five. Half decade. This half decade. Yep. Probably will never change. Obviously, well, no, because I will see more movies from 
2000, 2004. Yep. But I would guess that this is probably... I would imagine it'll yeah. probably stay up there for you. That's it, friends. Well, you, Mr. and Miss Internet, are the lifeblood of our podcast, and we want to answer your questions or just have a good old chat or tell us your favorite movies from the year 2000 to 2004. Want to talk to us on Twitter? Dave can be found at David Ron. That's Ron with two N's. I can be found at Sean Cord. That's Sean with a U. And we are at Guys from Podcast. Email us at guysfrompodcast at gmail.com. Facebook us at the guys from call Celebrinbur, go to his house, listen to him complain about the new age, get him to forge a golden ring that when held to fire reveals a question to us, then hurl it into a river. He'll get here eventually. Yeah. If you enjoy the guys from podcast, tell your friends, tell your family, tell strangers, scream it from the mountaintops or from the bottom of the ocean. Well, that would be less screaming and more gurgling, which is awkward, because, you know, who can understand what your gurgles mean, besides maybe Aquaman? And we all know Jason Momoa is busy right now, so really, gurgling isn't going to help anything. True. <coughs> Only you can help our podcast grow. The best way to do that is to throw us a rating on or a review on iTunes. That's going to be the easiest way for, do, for you to do anything for us to help us out. We are available pretty much anywhere podcasts are found, including Player FM, Podbean, the Blueberry app, and Stitcher. Hey, Dave, is there anything you wanted to plug? Westworld. We talked about it earlier. I'm finally on the Westworld train. Ugh, I can't believe it took me this long, but I can. If you're like me and you have yet to watch it, watch it. You won't be disappointed. Yep. Everybody I've talked to has loved it. Some have fallen off kind of halfway through. Others have watched it through the end. Yep. So far, everything I've seen has just been dynamite. Sean? On our website, www.theguysfrom.com, aside from hosting this Matrix-dressed podcast, because let's face it, the year 2000, everybody dressed in black trench coats with sunglasses, or at least at my high school they did. We also write articles on things like music. That's indie music every Tuesday. Dave's writing throwback tracks every Thursday. Gaming stuff, movie stuff, The Simpsons, you name it, we probably write about it. And you told us before your Matrix diatribe where this could be found, but tell us again where that can be found. www.theguysfrom.com Yeah. Head to iHorror.com for all of your horror news, interview, and review needs, or head to the Instagram to see what I am up to. And Dave mentioned Westworld. Well, I'm going to mention something that's currently showing on television, and that's Taboo on FX. It's by Tom Hardy and his dad. They created a series about a East India company and shipping and the 1830s and the conflict between Britain and the United States and establishing Canada's border, and it's really good. Cool. Special thanks to The Sweets for our terrific opening music. Check out their website at www.wearethesweets.com. Also, special thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech for our takeout music today called Fearless and Every Day, I guess, Fearless First, as well as today's ad music called Carefree. And finally, we found out today that we lost another great, just the decade that keeps on giving or taking, rest in peace, Mary Tyler Moore. She was hilarious. She was just a tremendous role model for women. Very well loved, very well respected. Mm-hmm. May she rest in peace. Man, it is so hard to transition. I when know. You do that every I'm gonna week. have to start that at the beginning. Be like, rest in peace. Special thanks. Special thanks. Yeah. This has been episode 152 of the guys from podcast, the Dapper Dan podcast. Thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Sean, and I'm a Dapper Dan man. Have a great week, everybody. The guys from podcast is brought to you in part by nothing. Nothing. It doesn't pay well. 
So somebody just realized that he crumpled up the thing when we still have an ending to do. <laughs> now I know we always do a top 12 of our favorite movies, but Dave, we also see a lot of crap. We really do see a lot of crap. So, just as a little aside ending thing, we're both going to talk about three horrible movies from this same time period. <laughs> Would you like to go first? Sure. I'm going to start with Hollow Man. Ooh, the Kevin Bacon <laughs> the opus. Kevin Bacon epic where he is a scientist and discovers that he can make himself invisible. Yep. And then basically goes and does unscrupulous things and, I mean, everything that any asshole would do if they were... Well, it drives him crazy, It does, kind I of. think, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it? It unsettles his brain Something patterns, like so he goes... I saw it in the movie theater in Banff. All right, then. Yeah, right? Like... I don't remember why, or I all I remember is like, oh, we can go see Hollow Man. Why did we go see Hollow Man? Because it's the Invisible Man, it, and it seems yeah. like it's a modern. We're doing a computer Invisible Man. Yeah, the concept like, oh, man. is. It could have been okay. Yeah, it just wasn't. No, it was not. Yours? Hey, Dave. Yeah. Have you ever seen Boat Trip? Is that road trip except on a boat? Uh, like, kind of around the same time? Like, just followed on the heels of Road Trip? I feel like I remember hearing about it. I haven't seen it, so no. Oh, Road Trip, the, the Breckenmeyer yeah. college to because he mails an illicit tape. That had Tom Green in it, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. No, this one's... This one's got Cuba Gooding Jr. and Horatio Sands in it. Good. I'm sure it was really, really great. Two straight men mistakenly end up on a gaze-only cruise. And hilarity is to ensue for an hour and a half. Do you want to be slightly offended and horrified at the same time? Always. Watch Boat Trip. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. I don't know what happened to Cuba Gooding Jr. there for a little while in the 2000s. Like, hooray for the People vs. O.J. Simpson bringing Cuba back. Yeah. But there was some real crap there in the middle. Yeah. Didn't he win an Oscar for Jerry Maguire? I believe he did. Yeah. And then he did that. And uh, My second one is Joe Dirt. Also good? In the sense that it's really bad. For being on this list. Yeah. Also good. Yes. David Spade, when they thought that David Spade could... Carry a movie by himself without Chris Farley. And when he wasn't animated. Yeah. Because Emperor's in the Groove is great. Although it's not so much because of David Spade. It's more because of Patrick Warburton. Yeah, but David Spade's good in that. He is because His he's Cusco's fun. He's fun, and the like his character funny, is it's being a funny a, film. His character is being a jerk and learning that he's a jerk. Yeah. David Spade's a really good jerk. It, he is absolutely, and that was the shtick he played on Saturday Night Live. That's the shtick he played in uh, in both Black Sheep and Tommy Boy. Boy. Yeah, but David Spade on his own as a reddest neck of all rednecks telling his story to Dennis Miller Yep, is just... Didn't they make another one? Oh, God, please tell me they didn't. I thought they... they Yeah, Joe Dirt 2, Beautiful Loser. Did it also star David Spade? Of course it did. 
Oh, sweet sassy molassie. That came out in 2015. Oh, good. Well, I uh, definitely will not be seeing that one. What if it reverse boondocks it? What if that's so good? <laughs> you're like, man, I should watch Joe Dirt again. Ah, <laughs> uh, I gotta tell you, I don't see that happening. <laughs> Probably not. My next one's got a cast in it. Okay. Jean Renault, LL Cool J. Oh my god. Rebecca Romaine. Janet Wright. Janet Wright is uh, Brent Butt's mom in Corner Gas. Okay. If anyone's seen Corner Gas, we are Canadian. It's on everything here. Yeah. Now, take yourself back to 2002. Ah, <clears throat> oh, it's a simpler time. Now, think three years ahead to the big thing in 2005. It's going to be a violent sport called Rollerball. I remember that movie. I didn't oh, see it. yeah. But I remember when it came out. Yeah, it well, because it was remaking a fun, kind of weird 70s movie about, in the future, all war is replaced by a brutal, a sport you can die in, basically. They combine sports into rollerball, which is like roller derby with punching and spikes and stuff. Okay. So they remade it in 2002, not changing the date to the future being 2005. So it's literally three years ahead of when it came out? Yeah, uh, there was a street luge scene in it for reasons. If I remember right, they also decided to change the sport from just straight-up rollerball to adding some deadly dirt bikes, because remember, at 2002, BMX was super popular for, like, eight months. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Dave Mira. Ah, that's a thing. Oh, it totally is a thing. It totally is a thing. Huh. Well, that's, um... <clears throat> it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to follow that one up. Yep. But uh, my number one... Your, your least favorite of your least, least favorites? favorite of my least favorites uh-huh. is Zombie Honeymoon. Came oh, out in man. 2004. Uh... I would tell you the people who were in it, but you're not going to know any of them. No, this was, this was, to be fair, this was intended to be a bad movie night film. Yes, but it was so bad that we didn't turn it off, or that we turned it off. We didn't finish it. No. Because it was so bad. Zombie Honeymoon is a gore-soaked exploration of how far the boundaries of true love can be pushed without reaching a breaking point. Apparently, that's sure. the name. Um, we didn't know that because we turned it off at about 20 minutes in. Yeah. It was awful. Oh, it was bad. Terrible writing, terrible acting, terrible zombies. Terribly shot. Terribly shot. The sound was off. The sound wasn't synced on occasion. But, again, that was an indie movie. That was probably straight to DVD, maybe a festival or two. Sure. My number one... Now I can do it with more enthusiasm. I saw Battlefield Earth in theaters. Oh, you poor bastard. (laughs) I I did. Oh, oh, why would you? Well, I mean, no, why would you do that to yourself? Because it was a sci-fi movie, and I saw it before all of the reviews were out. Oh, okay. So you were really excited about it. Not super excited, but I like sci-fi movies. Okay. And I'm like, well, that's not a terrible cast. Forrest Whitaker, Barry Pepper, John Travolta. Okay. 
fine. John Travolta plays a villain. John Travolta, yeah. like sometimes when he plays a villain, like in uh, when he in Face Off as the villain, he's yeah. really good. And then I got Battlefield Earth, <laughs> a strange Scientology thing about enslavement and the year three thousand and stilt walking aliens and things. About halfway through the movie, a buddy of mine, Tyler, Tyrell, Tyrell and I went to it, uh, and we had both bought chocolate bars, and we bought, they had those just regular Hershey chocolate bars, yeah. just the straight chocolate. So good. Um, they were on sale, like you got a drink in that sure. for super cheap, so One yeah, of the it's yeah. 2000, so I'm 15 yeah. at the time, so yeah, super cheap chocolate, great. About halfway through, we both noticed that just the temperature in the theater and we had the chocolate in our coat pockets when we took it out it was bendy but it wasn't breaking so it was like kind of jelly yeah you could take out the chocolate and it wouldn't stick to your hands but it was like fluid and moving okay it was really neat so we played with that for like 25 minutes (laughs) uh so that's indicative of how good the movie was oh it was super good super good Cool. I'm really glad I skipped out on that one. You mean like how you skipped out on Dead End? Thanks, Dave. You still owe us a watch of I Dead End. I know. I'll get to it at some point. Love.